Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I'll tell you, I just, um, I love the fact that God has created us with emotions. We don't have to be afraid of emotions. Uh, we don't have to wonder if it's okay. You know, when, when we have emotions, when we have moments, I, I love the message uh, last week that life does not read your Bible. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, go on the podcast, uh, go on the website and check it out. But man, it's just the truth, isn't it? And sometimes I think we can get into a situation uh, when we come, when it comes to churchianity, I call it, where we come in and, and, you know, our response is everything's good. I'm blessed and highly favored. And I'm all about confessing good things over our lives, right? Because some people just, they vomit all over you with words. So there's a difference, but it's okay to be open. I have emotions, I have feelings, I'm going through this right now. And when we do, I think that allows healing to come. The Bible says to confess your faults to one another. Why? So healing may come. When we allow that transparency and those things to come out, it allows healing in our life. So I'm glad that sometimes when I think about how good God is to me, it's like there's no other way to live. And, uh, you know, I I wouldn't even do this pastor thing, council thing, uh, church thing, if it weren't for the revelation I have of God's love for me. It changes everything. I, I actually have an answer, and it's not just, so what's the answer? Jesus. I mean, that's, amen, Jesus is the answer, but, but what does that mean? It becomes cliche, it becomes religious. What it means is God is your father, he loves you, he desires a relationship, he promised to never leave you, to never forsake you, and even in those dark spaces, he wants to bring healing. And it's so beautiful. So much better than the cliche, amen? So just, just know that, that God loves you, he cares for you, and there's nothing you can do What did the Apostle Paul say? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. He says, not even, I love this. A couple weeks ago, I saw this. He says, no created thing. How many here are created things? Not even you can separate yourself from the love of God. Isn't that amazing? And so when we get that, no matter what we go through, we can say, hey, God, I'm going through some scabola right now. Right? How many know scabola is Greek for another word in English? But, you know, just be honest. Be open with God. It's not because he's like, oh, I didn't know you were going through that. Good thing you told me. No, it's getting it off your chest and saying, dad, I know you care about me. And find people that you can surround yourselves with who they're not perfect, but their theology is on, meaning they believe that God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you, that he cares for you. Find brothers and sisters like that you can band with and bond with. Amen. I want to get into the message this morning. So let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Now, before we get started today, I just I want to preface this in the right way. Today is not a political statement. Okay? Today is not a political statement. In fact, if you want to have a title to today's talk, it's called Facebook Posts and Protest Signs. So I might have scared some away when I posted that yesterday, like, oh no, here we go. He's bringing the hammer down. God's Republican. Uh, no. <laughs> God's Democrat. Huh? No. God's God right? And it's his kingdom. So this isn't a political statement. It's a kingdom statement we're going to make this morning. And I believe this in our current climate of, how many could agree, dissension, unrest, unforgiveness, the list could go on. I am simply trying to expound on what it looks like to live out the kingdom life. Because grace is so important for us to receive. 
It's something that's given freely. It's unmerited favor, and so we receive that freely. But what it does, it opens us up to a whole new world of living out of the kingdom of God. How many, how many could say amen to that? And so it's, it's learning how do, we, how do we do kingdom work, but we don't do it out of obligation. We don't do it out of ritual. We do it out of love. Love is the motivation for everything, amen? But I want to look at this today in Philippians chapter 4 because I want to see what does it look like to live out the peace that Jesus called us to live out, amen? So let's look at Philippians chapter 4 and start with verse 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, how many situations? Every and all. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, I love this, in other words, talk to your dad, Talk to God about it with a thankful heart. What do we do? We present our requests to God. Now what happens? Verse 7. And the peace of God, say that with me, peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I want to talk about this idea today of Facebook posts and picket signs and how do we fit a peaceful life, a peaceful walk from the kingdom into this dynamic. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. It's another opportunity to hear you, Holy Spirit. I pray that as we look into the scriptures, we would see Jesus. We would see his life. We would see his actions. We would see his words. And as followers of Christ, we would begin to allow you to work through our life, to truly follow you, to truly be kingdom people serving as sons and daughters, not as slaves. And so we thank you that today repentance would transpire. We would change our minds about you, ourselves, and others and walk out of here in a freedom we've never experienced. It's all because of you, Jesus. And we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So how many have played the telephone game? Anyone? The te- Okay, this just shows me where we are. So if you're like under 25, you're like, what's a telephone? Like I've heard of a cell phone, right? I've heard of a mobile phone. We used to call them mobile phones. Well, we had these things called telephones. Now, they would hang on walls with cords. You're like, what? They would hang on walls with cords. Uh, they, would, they would sit on coffee tables or end tables, and they actually had a cord that went to a wall. You ever went into a house and you saw, like, in the kitchen, you saw about yay high, you saw this little rectangle box with a hole in the middle? That's where phones used to go, folks. Does anyone have a home phone anymore? Wow, like six people out of a thousand. That's for the podcast. But anyway, like six people, right? Why? Because we just don't need them anymore. So we had this thing called a telephone. And then I remember in the 90s, how many remember the cordless phone? Oh, man, those were amazing. I'm like, check this out, man. The reception sucks, but I don't have to be corded down, right? And you remember the, the first ones, the antenna was like 16 feet long. You remember that? You walk into the house, you try to go through the doorway. Oh, like this, you know, because it's like this long. And then they, they came up with the 900 megahertz. Remember that? We're like, dude, it's like crystal clear. It really wasn't, but to us it was. And then they came out with, I don't know how many megahertz, it just kept going higher and higher. And eventually these mobile phones became affordable. But I was thinking about telephones because I was thinking about this telephone game. Now, if you're not familiar with the game, you would sit in a circle and, you know, whether there's six, eight, 10, 20 people, you would sit just close enough but far enough that you could whisper to the person on either side of you a sentence or a statement or phrase. 
And what you would do is whisper it to them, and then they would in turn whisper it to the next person, next person. By the time it got to the person next to you, they would out loud say what you just spoke. And I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, it wasn't the same thing. Have you played that game before? Isn't it crazy? I mean, you could, maybe some of the words would be there, but the context was completely different. And as, as I thought about that game, I thought we could actually, today, we still play that game. It's called the social media game. Have anyone ever played this game? Like you get on and you post, or how many have ever sent a text and then someone took it wrong? Because there's no, there's no facial expressions. There's no inflection of the voice. You're like, what did, they just, what did they say to me? I didn't say anything, but I love you. Are you sure? Was there a question mark? Like, we're not sure. Same thing happens in social media. One person can read something that you post and take it completely different than what you meant. I mean, I've followed these sometimes. I try to stay away from it, but just follow it. And they're like, no, I didn't mean. Well, I didn't mean. And then 16 people jump on and you're like, I think I want to get off Facebook for a month. Have you been there? Just look at the news. News changes. Whatever channel you turn to, it could sound a little different. Everyone has a different way, a different perspective. And so again, today is not a political statement. But we're talking about Facebook posts, which is social media, and picket signs, which is people who, you know what, there's great injustice going on in this world. And as kingdom people, we should stand behind those who are dealing with injustice. Amen? But how do we do it? How do we go about it? Because it's not something that we should just brush under the rug, but there's the way to do it according to the kingdom. See, the Apostle Paul says, don't be anxious. How many would say that sometimes when you turn on news or you go through the news feed on Facebook or, or Twitter or, or you, you see the next big you know, march or picket signs, which guess what? The Christians get involved too. I think the Christians should put down the signs. Amen? Turner burn signs aren't working, folks. And maybe your theology's off just a little bit, okay? But my point is this, is that we have all these feeds coming into us all the time. And don't you think that maybe, just maybe, that causes a little bit of anxiety? I found things in my soul I didn't know existed until I read a post. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Not political today, folks. Stick with me. This is good. I don't want anyone to turn off this morning. I want us to see the way that Jesus has called us to live out life, even in this society of unforgiveness, of unrest, of dissension. Do you follow me? Does anyone follow anything? Is there dissension going on right now in this country and the world? Okay. Who's the Prince of Peace? Jesus. Who does he live in and through? So why aren't things changing? It's because most of us, we have our church on Sunday. Oh, man, I'm messing. Then we step over into our politics on Monday through Saturday. We have our church on Sunday, and we step into our religious duties on Monday through Saturday. And both paths are dead ends, folks. We need to live out of the kingdom, living out of his love, his grace, his goodness, his peace. And then maybe, just maybe, we'll see a change in this world. And it's not like I have to change the entire world. It starts with that, that, that sphere of influence that I have in my life. Coworkers, family, friends. The Bible says to speak the truth in love. And unfortunately, a lot of people are trying to speak what they think is truth, but there's no love involved, folks, right? And so we end up with dissension. We end up with racism and bigotry and injustice and all these things. And I'm thinking, of all places... 
of all places, the church, which represents the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. Why would we have this? Because we buy the idea of anxiety, worry, and worldly thinking. You follow me so far? Now, let me just say this. I had a completely different message. Like yesterday, I'm like, oh, man, it had some really funny jokes and stories. And you guys are just going to laugh and walk. I mean, this is great. And then the Holy Spirit says, hey, I want you to talk about this. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm like, okay, I'm trusting you that everyone's not going to leave offended. Because there's no offense. This is the kingdom way of living. And as we go, I think you're going to see this as it plays out. And you go, wow, maybe there are some things in my heart that I need to adjust a little bit. How many know that this life is all about adjustment? Romans 12, 2, we're transformed by what? The renewing of our minds. So are you ready for some mind change today? Amen? So he says, don't be anxious for anything. And again, I think we would agree that we're in this climate right now, the world where it's just, it can bring anxiety, it can bring fear, worry, which leads to anger and lashing out. But he says, bring it to your father. And then I want to read verse 7 out of the Mirror Bible. And in this place of worship and gratitude. Now, this is once we present our request to God. Let's say the anxiety tries to attach to you. And you say, you know what? I don't care about this post right now. I don't care what it looks like they're saying or what the news is saying. I'm going to choose right now through this anxiety to cast my care on him, to talk to my father, have thanksgiving in my heart. And when you do this, look at this. And in this place of worship and gratitude, you will witness how the peace of God within you echoes the awareness of your oneness in Christ Jesus beyond the reach of any thought that could possibly unsettle you. Now, how many could use that? Would you love to be in a place where there's no thought that could possibly unsettle you? I'm telling you, man, when you see unsettled people, there's something about it. When their feathers aren't ruffled, when they don't buy into the fear and the anxiety, when they don't buy into the empire and the religion, when they say, no, I'm kingdom-minded and I truly care, I truly love, I truly empathize with people because that's what Jesus did. When we do that, it changes everything. We don't have to give in. We don't have to get sucked in to this. In the, the New International Version, it says the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. In the King James, it says it shall keep your heart and mind. I love what Francois Dutrois goes on to explain here. He's the author and the translator for the Mirror Bible. He says, just like the sentry guard secures a city, watching out in advance for the first signs of any possible threat, your heart's deepest feelings and the tranquility of your thoughts are fully guarded there. Say, come on. Look at this. This peace is not measured by external circumstances. It is residing deeply in the innermost parts of your being. We're not talking about a fragile sense of peace that can easily be disturbed. I love this. One that has to be fabricated ourselves. This is God's peace. The peace that God himself enjoys. Now, sometimes we think about church. We think about you know religion. We're like, eh, Religion or church and enjoyment, that doesn't go hand in hand. But you know that God desires for you to have an abundant, enjoyed life? Now again, we've heard this wrong at times, and so we're like, okay, we either get scared of it, or we're like, where's my Corvette and my mansion, right? We, we think that's what it means. But how many know there's people with a billion dollars in the bank, and they have no peace? You're like, well, I'd like to try it out. No, me too, right? But, but they have no peace. They're not secure, 
They're run by the world system of fear and anxiety and worry and hatred and greed and retribution. And they don't know how to get out of that. But Jesus is calling us to a different way. It's called the way of peace. Say peace. Say it again. Peace. Now, this is what peace means in the Greek here. It means security. How many would love to see their life without insecurities? Amen? It means safety. It means prosperity, which defined as success, or could even mean the good life. Like I said before, it doesn't mean you have a billion dollars in the bank, but you can have a one-bedroom apartment and be like, wow, I've got peace. I am enjoying the good life because my emotions are in control. My will is not warped. Amen? My mind is being renewed. This is the state that we can work from. How do I know this? Because this message should apply anywhere you preach it in the world if it's the gospel. So if it's a gospel of peace, oh, hallelujah, I like that. If it's the gospel of peace, it should apply everywhere. That's why certain gospels, we, we got to try the spirit. There's no such thing as a prosperity gospel. But through the gospel of peace, we can have success and good life wherever we are. It could be different for someone else to be like, dude, I got three chickens instead of one, Right? I'm not talking about Billy and your chickens. I'm, I'm talking about in third world countries. People go, well, how are they abundant? They don't have a car. Yeah, but they have a bike and their neighbor doesn't. They have a thatched roof and a dirt floor, but it's, it's, it's a dirt floor and they actually have a broom to sweep it. Wow. You hear what I'm saying? The gospel should apply wherever you go. So it's security, it's safety, it's prosperity. And listen to this, it's felicity. Now, Nate Blouse mentioned this last week, and so I dug into this. And the meaning of this is intense happiness. Come on, somebody. How many would like intense happiness in their life? For like 30 seconds. I'm being serious. I know we're faith people. I know we're grace people. I know we're love people. But man, sometimes I just want to feel happy, right? Right? Intense happiness. That is beautiful to me. So security, safety, prosperity, and felicity. I was thinking about these sessions that Nate's been doing, or he did this last week, and even the corporate sessions together. You do not know how many. I probably heard easily 20 testimonies. And the two things they said more than anything, this, this blew me away this morning. I was thinking about this. They say, I am experiencing real peace. See, it's one thing to say, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, God is peace, gospel of peace. And then we go back in the world and go, ah, right? People are saying, peace. The second thing, for the first time since I can remember, I feel happy. What a statement. And God wants us to experience. When you have his perfect peace, what do you have? Intense Happiness, despite the circumstances around you. And they might not even change for a long time, but guess who's with you in the midst of the storm, in the midst of life? Jesus, your heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit, guiding, leading you, saying, listen, I'm here. We'll get through this together. And hopefully, brothers and sisters who don't just go, well, if you had a little more faith, shut up. We don't need to hear that sermon anymore. We need to hear us. Listen, brother, listen, sister, I love you. I care about you. Let's pray this through. My phone's on 24-7. As my older son used to say, 24-7, seven days a week. A little redundant, but it 
makes a point. 24-7, my phone's on. If you need to call, you call me. I'm here for you. Let's talk to dad together. Sometimes we just need a shoulder. We need an arm. We need a support. And that's okay. Look at the person next to you and say, that's okay. It's okay to need others. That's beautiful, isn't it? It's a peace that is brought by God and that we bring to this world. So how important is it that we understand this peace? And here's the big question today. How do we live at peace in a world of hostile Herods and hard-nosed Pharisees? How do we live at peace in a world of hostile Herods and hard-nosed Pharisees? Now, for some of you, you're like, what does that mean? How many remember King Herod in the Bible? Herod represents kings. It represents systems. How many have heard of the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day? That represents religion. Folks, there's really only two systems in this world, and they're counter to the kingdom of God, and it's religion and empire. Do you follow me so far? And so I want to look at this. We're like, what does this mean? How does, how does this work for me? Well, let's look at the Herods. What does the Herods really mean? It's the world system. We could say it's, it's the empire, it's politics. Now, again, not a political statement, but I think for a lot of us, maybe we need to leave our political hat at the front door when we walk in the church. You hear me? That's why I don't make political posts. I don't preach politics from the pulpit. But here's my point. God's not a Republican. God's not a Democrat. If he's anything, he's independent, and it's not the independent party here in the United States of America. It's his own kingdom. Do you follow me? So I'm ne you're never going to hear from me, vote for Obama, vote for Trump. How about this? Vote for Jesus and peace and love and grace. That's the most important thing to me. Do you follow me? As long as I'm in this pulpit, you're not going to hear politics from me, but you're going to hear about the kingdom, and what that does is it challenges your politics because you start to go, whoa, um, I thought God was. He's like, mm -mm, I wasn't. I thought Jesus was. No, I'm not. Holy Spirit, could you help me? I'd love to. Let's start with maybe taking a month off Facebook and stop posting how sucky or awesome Trump is. Because <laughs> you're not going to change anyone's minds. Do you follow me? If you voted for Trump, you'd probably vote for him again. If you didn't, you probably will not ever. Okay, I get it. But it's about Jesus. It's about King. Do you follow me? Is anyone offended? Raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I almost got a couple. But here's my point. It's about the kingdom. Listen, folks, if we're walking out grace and love and peace, we're going to know the proper way to vote and, or when to vote, however that is, that, that's your decision. Uh, we're going to know what issues are important and what's not. And we'll see there's a, a whole system going up. Man, you can turn on CNN or Fox or whatever. Maybe turn them all off. Because I don't hear any Jesus coming out of that. Years ago, I just said, I'm good with the news. I found something out. If something's big enough, I'm going to hear about it. I don't have to seek it out because there's so much crap in between. Let's just say Scabola because that's a little better. In between that you're like, Pfft. but when you focus on Jesus, when you focus on kingdom, oh man. There's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Did you hear? The guy comes over. Did you hear? I didn't. But you know what I heard this morning? I heard God say, I love you. You're awesome. I built you with purpose. What is that purpose? Love people. 
Show them who they really are. Show them the blueprint for their life. Show them that they have a good life in me. All they have to do is awaken to their right standing with God. It's simply waking up. And then all the politics and all, I'll get on religion in a minute, and all the religion just falls away and you go, I can breathe. So what are the Herods? It's the world system. It's the kings, that was air quotes, of this world. Let's bring it down to our level. It's the employers. It's the bosses. It's the power brokers, the rulers who have no room for this grace-based message of love and peace, baby, because it's no pain, no gain. It's the early bird gets the worm and all these other quotes. It comes from this ideology. Now, am I against working hard? Absolutely not. The Bible says everything you put your hand to, be faithful and do as unto the Lord. So everything we do, we do as unto the Lord, right? You follow me so far? But man, what happens sometimes is, is people, dog eat dog, man. It's not peace, it's dog eat dog. And we'll step on people to get that new position, that higher position, get to where we want to go. It's great to have goals, but if your goals involve stepping on people and hurting people, it's not the kingdom, folks. Now I'm preaching to the church up the road, not you, because you guys are awesome. But I think it's good for us to be reminded about what is the kingdom? What does it mean? What does that look like? Because it changes how you respond to your family and your coworkers and your bosses and how that works. But see, they're not open to the grace of God. Grace is getting something good that is unmerited, but to the Herods, to the world system, rewards come to those who earn them, and everyone, I mean everyone, gets what they deserve. Aren't you glad you didn't get what you deserve? Man, God's grace is so good. And so as our father, he's, he's trying to woo us. He's trying to move us by his love. It's the kindness of the Lord that brings us to repentance. When you start to see who he really is, what he's all about, it brings you to a mind change. You're like, wow, not just about him, but about yourself. Some of us, man, we don't, we don't have any grace for ourselves. We have no love for ourselves. There's no peace in our heart. Now, it's there, right? It resides there, but we haven't awakened to it. You know, salvation is an interesting thing. I used to think salvation was a one-time prayer. I would pray, and then I'd receive my ticket to heaven, and I'm good to go. But man, it's so much bigger than that. Preservation, deliverance, safety, wholeness, healing. How many could use that right now, here on this planet? And so God's called us to this salvation, and I realize that it's a continual process of awakening to what he's already provided. And peace is one of those things. And so when we start to operate out of peace, what happens? Our actions change. Our thoughts change. Our thoughts towards others change. And we start to see the world differently. We actually go, I have a heart for the world. There's no difference. They're walking as orphans. They don't even know who they are. But man, Holy Spirit, could I be the one to somehow just, just make a dent, make a crack into that, that, that ideology they have that you're separate from them and you want nothing to do with them and you're dirty and wretched and let them know that you love them and desire a relationship and you care for them. How can I betray that? And every time he'll say, well, first of all, are you loving? Are you showing grace? Is peace exuding from you? Because you have it, right? Prince of Peace. 
And so it's us thinking this process through and continuing to renew our minds. You see, in God's kingdom, this is, this is big, in God's kingdom, your worth is not determined by your productivity, but by your Father's love. Did you hear me? Your worth is not determined by your productivity, how much you do, how much you say. Now, in the world system, I get it. There is a system there, and I'm okay with working within it. But again, kingdom-minded, right? But your true worth, where does it come from? Your father's love. And when you see your father's love towards you, suddenly you're like, I am worth something. Some people growing up and their parents have said, you're worthless. That blows my mind. I mean, I've had bad days as a parent, but I could never say to my children, you are worthless. But people go through that. Let me say something. The Heavenly Father will never say that you're worthless. In fact, his love, the fact that he has, I like what Katie said, that he's running after you, not with the baseball bat, but with open arms to give you a hug, to embrace you, to kiss you, to say you're loved and you have a purpose in life. How many could say amen to that? The apostle Paul dealt with this opposition when he was in Ephesus. Let's turn to Acts chapter 19. You getting something out of this? No one offended yet? Not yet. (laughs) Acts 19, verse 23. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. This is the way of Jesus, these followers of Jesus. Verse 24. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together along with the workers and related trades and said, you know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. Now stop there for a second. How many know when you start messing with the world system and their money, they get angry, right? Verse 26, and you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world will be robbed of her divine majesty. Do you see what's going on here? Verse 28, when they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia and all of them rushed into the theater together. You see what's going on here? The world system of greed was being challenged. And it wasn't like Paul came in and said, people are going to lose some money today. He preached the gospel of peace. Study out. It's a beautiful, beautiful sermon on Mars Hill. Absolutely beautiful. He was telling people that we are all the offspring of God. And he was even quoting the, the poets that the Greeks would know and bringing the gospel in. And he says, in him we live and move and have our being. That very God that you have no name for, oh, listen, I've got a name for him, and he's the only true God. And people were awakening to who they were. I mean, this is, this is Paul talking to what we would consider complete unbelieving sinners. And he says, you are the offspring of God. In him, you live and move and have our being. Why? Because it's the word of God. But people have to awaken to this. You can't walk in anything you don't believe, right? And so there's belief that's involved. It's saying, I believe it. Now I will walk in it. 
And so it's this, this beautiful gospel that Paul preaches on Mars Hill, but look what happens. The world system says, uh-uh, you're messing with their money, you're messing with their system, and so they wanted to run them out of town. So that's the Herods, that's the world system. Now, what are the hard-nosed Pharisees? The Pharisees are the religious. It's what we call the religious system. And let me, let me tell you something. When we think of religions, we usually think of other religions around the world, but unfortunately, I think there's something called Christian religion. In fact, I think Jesus, if, if he were to come back, and I know he knows all, but I could just picture him going, um, so you started a religion in my name? Uh, I came to change that. <laughs> Get thee behind me, Jesus, right? Like, we wouldn't know how to respond. What, what, what do you mean? Religion? I thought we are supposed to be religious. And I know the Apostle James talks about pure religion. What is that? Helping the widows and the orphans. How many have done that lately? right? Me either. So that's true. That's pure religion. But my point is that, you know, the actual idea of religion is we're following a system of rules and regulations. We're doing our penance. We're doing what we need to do. I mean, thank God that we still have the gospel of grace and peace in many churches. And I think it's growing and expanding. And the millennials are like, I've had enough of this, this God you preached, which I tell people, atheists usually, they'll say, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. I'm like, well, explain God to me that you don't believe in. And they will. And I go, wow, I'm an atheist too. <laughs> to that God. But this is the Pharisees, the religious system. Sometimes even fellow Christians can be in opposition to you. And here's the, the crazy thing. We don't have to agree on everything. I had a brother ask me a question just this morning. I said, I don't believe in either one of those, but we can sit down and have a conversation. And I think it's beautiful that we can sit down. As long as Jesus is the center of everything, I'm fine with whatever we can talk about. And why, why isn't it that we can't just sit down at the table together, have conversations, and then walk away without being irritated with each other? Because we have no peace. If you, if you have peace in who you are, I'm telling you, you're not going to walk away saying, you're no longer my brother, calling people names. I mean, it's, it happens all the time. Wow, I got, a, I got a revelation. I saw something different. No, brother, we can't see things different. We got to go with the same thing I've heard for 37 years. It's like, why? Why aren't we progressing? Why aren't we growing? I mean, the whole universe is growing and expanding constantly. Have you noticed that? It's awesome. I mean, I think the kingdom is growing and expanding because Jesus said it would grow and it would expand and it would overcome the entire world, but not by force, war, and retribution, by grace, peace, and love. And so he's called us to live out the kingdom, to be on earth as it is in heaven. Are we doing our part for that? And again, it's not obligation. This should be a natural outflow of your loving relationship with your father, right? How many have been here long enough to know that I'm not preaching works, but how many know that we do work, yeah. right? Yeah. But man, it doesn't even feel like work. Is anyone... For a lot of us, I know we just have jobs, but does anyone have the luxury of going somewhere they have a passion for? When you do something you have a passion for, it's not even work anymore. You're like, I got a paycheck for this? This is awesome. It's the same thing in the kingdom. When we recognize who we are and who God is and we understand or begin to understand his love and grace and goodness and the peace that we have and we start to exude that peace, we kind of leak it. I like what Dr. Cross says, we leak. We leak it all over the world so they're like, 
I can breathe for a minute. Man, I'm telling you, there's passion there. And you're not going, okay, I got to get to church. Oh, I got to work again with those kids. Oh, I need to go to the outreach thing. Oh, I got to play again in the band. Oh, it's not like that anymore. It's like, I get to go hang with people and talk about how good my heavenly father is. It's an awesome thing. So those are the Pharisees. Those are the two systems. Jesus dealt with this attitude in Luke chapter 12. He was talking to his disciples here in Luke 12, verse 1. Let's start in verse 1. It says, by this time, the crowd unwieldy and stepping on each other's toes numbered into thousands. But Jesus' primary concern was his disciples. He said to them, now listen to these words. This is Jesus. Watch yourselves carefully so you don't get contaminated with Pharisee yeast. Ouch. Pharisee phoniness. You can't keep your true self hidden forever. Before long, you'll be exposed. You can't hide behind a religious mask forever. Sooner or later, the mask will slip and your true face will be known. You can't whisper one thing in private and preach the opposite in public. The day's coming when those whispers will be repeated all over town. That's powerful, isn't it? See, Jesus didn't call us to live a life of religion. It's a life of relationship. And we connect to the Father. The word Father in the Greek means source. He's our source of everything. When we connect to that source, what happens? We suddenly become inspired, rejuvenated. We have peace and grace and love. We desire unity. We desire restoration. We desire healing. And all of a sudden, you see people differently. You see yourself differently. You see God differently. And you're like, wow, you awaken to your right relationship with God. And then you go, you know what Jesus said? That the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Am I partaking of that? I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm not saying that you don't love God. I'm not saying that you're not a child. But for all of us, wouldn't you admit that you're slowly awakening to new facets of your life in Christ every day? If not, there's a problem. We need to awaken. We need to pursue. He's pursuing us, but I don't have a problem pursuing God. It's like when my wife and I stood at the altar, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that she gave 100% of herself to me. But how many know it's taken years for me to discover what that 100% is? And I might be at like 57% right now if I'm lucky. But there's so much goodness in here, so much grace, so much awesome potential and stuff that I have not yet discovered that I want to discover. So is it wrong of me? Is it, is it religious or ritualistic to pursue her in that way? Pete knows. No. So when we say pursue God, we just want to know more about you. We want to understand more about you. We, we want deeper relationship with you. I'm done with just shallow surface relationship where I got my ticket to the train to heaven. I want to make a difference here on earth right now. Because that's what Jesus came to do. He came to show us the kingdom through signs and wonders, through healing and restoration, through forgiveness and love. This is what Jesus did. Guess what? We can do greater things, he said. But it all funnels out of that peace, amen? So if you live confidently under grace, you know what you can expect? You can expect trouble from Pharisees or religious people. If you resist their manipulation, they will condemn you and they will do it in the name of the Lord. How many have heard this? Yeah, it's easy to do. So those who have bought into a lie do not always react well to the truth. Can I get an amen? Amen. But here's the cool thing. The Holy Spirit is always trying to work those lies out, work his truth in, and when we see truth, let's not say no to it. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. 
The Holy Spirit's brought me to places through teaching and just time with him and prayer and, and different you know, podcasts and things where I go, whoa, whoa, okay, okay. This, I'm not saying no, but this is different. And that's been the process of my life for the last probably seven years. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit's revved it up and just pushed the gas pedal to the metal the last two. Like just, I'm going, okay, slow down, right? Because I can't, I can't handle too much. But what's happening is he just showed me how good he really is. If people could see, it's better than you could ever imagine. How would this world look? Why did the religious have such a problem? Well, after all, I mean, if you've, if you've spent years earning the gold stars, the last thing you want to hear is that the stars count for nothing, right? I mean, when you made a point of avoiding sin and being a faithful churchgoer and not missing a service, you won't be thrilled to learn that those who enjoyed the pleasures of sin for a season are loved by God just as much as you are. <laughs> Say it again, Bruce. <laughs> I'm telling you, how many, how many heads just tilted? Pastor, what are you saying? There's no consequences? Look around you. There's consequences everywhere. There are consequences for sin. How many can say hearty amen with two hands up, wave a hanky, right? Like when you just say, I'm going against the way of love, guess what? You will receive consequences, not because God's causing it, but the whole universe is progressing forward through and in love. And we choose to go the other way. We're going to experience wrath in our life. Do you understand? And the wages of sin is death. Sin will pay us back. I get it. But listen to this. There's consequences of sin, but there's also consequences for self-righteous, self-effort, religious living. I've been here. When we decide to go against the grain of God's love, whether through sin or self-righteous living, we experience consequences. And honestly, the, the consequences is there's no peace on either side. You can fall into the ditch of sin. You can fall into the ditch of religious ritual. I'm telling you, it's a dead end. There's consequences. It's burnout. I'm telling you, man, these two systems, the world and religion, can really get under your skin. And many of us have seen posts from friends of ours who are like, how could they say that? And so we have to find our peace. We can't give up relationships with people because they believe differently or they're just ignorant and blinded to stuff. If you had a friend who was blind, would you say, I can't be your friend anymore because you don't see stuff right? Huh? I mean, you think, wow, that guy's a jerk. But we do that to brothers and sisters in this world because they don't see the way we see. And we say, I want nothing to do with you. Why? Because you don't see right. What? Am I speaking truth today? Do you feel the love? Maybe. This is love. I'm preaching to myself too. We, we really got to think this thing through. Many years ago, for me, even though I, I, I think of the dumb Facebook posts and things I would say because I was so wrapped up in my own political worldview. And you know what? It brought this, this stress and this anger, and there was no peace because I thought God was one way. But the Holy Spirit started to reveal to me I'm neither way. You need peace, you need the gospel. What are you talking about, God? I'm saved, I'm a pastor. Who cares? A pastor can have no peace. 
A pastor can get caught up in the world and empire, or he can get caught up in religion and pharisaical attitudes, and guess what? Dead ends. It doesn't pan out. You will never find peace. I think about when I was living my life like a self-righteous Pharisee, trying to do everything on the list and checking it twice, and it brought stress and anger, the same thing as the politics and the empire did. Guess what? No peace. But Jesus is saying, I came to bring you peace. So what do we do when we encounter either one of these groups of people? Because this is really the question. Because the temptation will be to respond in the flesh, respond in anger and malice and revenge. I've been guilty of this. But doing so will only lead to more trouble. What about a wiser response? What if we were to withdraw like Jesus or walk away like Paul? I want to look at two points as we bring this to a close today as how we can respond to this. But let me say this first. What I don't mean is we withdraw and we walk away from social injustice. There's things that we can do. I think we should stand against racism. How about you? I think we should stand against things that are hurting people. How about you? I think we should stand against the sex trafficking and stuff that's going on. How about you? So there's things we can do. I'm not even against marches. However that is, uh, some people know how to do it with peace, right? And I think sometimes when the marches happen, if it's something other than what we agree with or we see, we get uncomfortable, and so it's easy to speak against it. Let me ask you to do me just one favor if you can. If there's somebody who's on the other side of the political party line or the other side of the denominational lines, would you just sit at a table and talk? Would you be willing to empathize? You don't even have to agree at the end. But I'm telling you, something will transpire when you open your heart to people. And when you hear their side of the story. When you hear what they've gone through. That's why to me it's like, we don't need to hold up signs at abortion clinics. We don't need to bring condemnation to people. Would you be willing to sit down with that young lady even after the abortion and take a few minutes to fill her shoes? You love me? I'm going to say this. I'm not saying it because there's certain people here or in fact there's enough of us that might go the wrong way, but when our brothers and sisters of color say that they're experiencing a world that we don't know? Are we willing to sit down with them and empathize? Do we say things like, get over it, I never owned a slave? You love me? I think we just need to take time to understand what people are going through in their life. Are you willing to sit down with a homosexual brother and sister who even says, I love Jesus and I'm a Christian and listen to their story and what they're going through? I know I'm messing with heads right now. Guess who Jesus sat with? The very people that religion said no. 
You're not welcome. I'm not saying sitting down so you can get them straight. Let me give you some Bible verses, brother. I'm saying listen to their life. Become a friend. And allow the Holy Spirit to work on their life. And it's his job to turn their heart. Not yours. Right? Oh, pastor, you're messing, man. I mean, you're just saying we accept sin. Listen, folks, we all got some sin in our life. You know, just because you eat four Big Macs and that person's a homosexual, there's no difference. <laughs> Vicki, I think we'll have three people come back next week. <laughs> My point is, will we get to the point where we can sit down empathize with people, have conversations, and even agree to disagree, but say, you know what, no matter what, I love you. Because my father loves you. And your family. And whatever you go through, I'm here for you. And you know what? I'm going to let the Holy Spirit deal with that stuff because I have stuff in my own heart. Will you pray for me? Do you follow me? That was not in my notes, but do you receive that this morning? Do you love me? Do you understand where I'm coming from? Man, sometimes we just walk into a church building and we put on this facade like everything's great, you know? But, but then we go to work and we tell racist jokes and homosexual jokes. And we, it's like it, at some point is the Holy Spirit not saying, whoa. You know, if I walk in the room and I hear racist jokes or jokes about homosexuals, it grieves me. Because we're talking about people. We're talking about sons and daughters of God. We got to see them that way, amen? So back to the notes, hallelujah. What do we do in this situation? Number one, we withdraw from the situation. There's times that we step into those places, we empathize, we even stand. You know, when that whole thing went down about the uh, kneeling, the flag and stuff, man, people got so up in arms about it. I'm like, do you worship Jesus or a flag? I mean, come on, people. I said, what about this? Kneel with those who kneel and stand with those who stand. In other words, understand both sides and then have your own side. But listen, love people. Sometimes we get so caught up in a flag and a song. It's like, people, listen, I love this country, but I serve a different kingdom. Do you understand me? Okay, number one, withdraw from the situation. So don't be drawn into the debate. Look at this in Mark chapter 3. Verse 6, it says, Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians, there's Herods, how they might kill Jesus. Look at Jesus' response. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. The message says it like this. Jesus went off with his disciples to the sea to get away. Sometimes we just need to get away, right? What's that slogan? Want to get away? Got to get away? Grab a Snickers bar, or if you're healthy, a gluten-free protein bar, and get away for just a minute and stop responding, stop being dragged into, sucked into the debate. It's, it's smoke and mirrors, folks. And it, it, it distracts us and detracts us from the kingdom message of grace, love, and hope, and what? Peace. I love what Apostle Paul says in Romans 12. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In my notes, I actually... I highlighted, I underlined, I bolded that depends on you. Do you realize that we're not robots? We have to make a decision. 
to walk in peace, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, listen, we are presenting a radical alternative to anything the world offers. It's a message of hope from another kingdom. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Now, I want us to note something here. This isn't God proclaiming your family status when you walk in this, okay? It's not like God going, okay, you're being a peacemaker. You're, the fa- you're part of the family now. No, it's people declaring you're the family of God. When people see you act differently than the world or religion, they're going to go, okay, whoa, something's different. Something is other. The word other is holy. Something holy about you. You're different. You react. You respond. You treat people different than religion or empire. Huh, what's going on here? So it's people declaring it, and it's us owning it. Look at this in the message. Same verse, it says, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. Now listen closely. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Isn't that powerful? See, the temptation will be to engage in debate. But listen, there's little to no good that will come of that. How about another wiser approach? Holy Spirit, how can I reveal the peace of heaven in this situation? When anxiety and worry come, when you read that post, when you think about that news interview, when these things try to get you going, when you see the the picket signs, when you see the marches, when you see these things, will you say, how can I reveal the peace of heaven in this situation? Which brings us to number two. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Come on, people. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's always speaking. So will we be led by the Holy Spirit? Proverbs 15, 23 says, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season how good it is. So what if we chose to show the love of God instead of hatred? Grace instead of payback. Peace instead of conflict. It goes on to say this in the message, congenial conversation, what a pleasure. The right word at the right time. Say it with me, beautiful. Man, the right word at the right time. The next time you see a post and you want to respond, say, Holy Spirit, (laughs) how can I show the peace of heaven in this situation? And you may not post, or you may post something completely different. It may be that word, that special word, right on time. And people will go, that was beautiful. Let me give you a hint. If you listen to the Spirit, he makes you look good. He seasons your words. What this world desperately needs is a revelation of the Prince of Peace by those who have embraced his gospel of peace. Say that with me, peace. Say gospel of peace. Repeat this with me. What would the world look like if I walked out grace? What would the world look like if I walked out love? What would the world look like if I walked out peace. Just close your eyes and think about that for a moment. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your acceptance. We thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your goodness. Holy Spirit, you are welcome into this place where you reside. You're there, but we choose today to welcome you there. Not as a guest, but as a friend, as a counselor, as wisdom, as our peace. I pray that if anything came across wrong today, forgive me. It wasn't meant to harm or put anyone down. It was meant to show us your way, the kingdom way of peace. I pray today that we would choose that way, that path, even when everything within that 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 government, uh, empire, religious world, all those systems that try to get us, even if it goes against that grain, we'd say, no, I'm going to follow you, Holy Spirit, despite what I'm thinking right now. I choose to close my mouth and to bite my tongue until I can say something that resounds with the gospel of peace. And I pray for continued unity in this city, in this state, in this nation, in this world, we can make a difference by choosing to live the kingdom way. If there's anyone here today and you say, you know, I've never made a decision to follow Jesus. And uh, man, this sounds different maybe than what I've heard before. You know, God loves you so much that he sent his son. And he was even willing to allow mankind in that world system of greed and anger and retribution to commit deicide, to kill God. The cross represents self-giving, self-sacrificing love. But then God raised him from the dead to show humanity that I love you, I still desire you to see who you really are and also to say no to the system of the world. Will we choose to live kingdom life? If you're here today and say, I want to live a different way. I want to live a life of grace and love and of peace. And I want to understand that more. It's simple. You just say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, you want to say yes to Jesus, just quickly raise your hand. Awesome. Father, I thank you for everybody who raised their hand. It's just an outward expression of what's going on in their soul. They're saying yes to you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you reside in each and every one of us, and you're showing us the proper way to live, the way that will bring the abundant life, success, intense happiness. It's only through you and by you. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.